0: Check this out. There was this young couple, Ruth, and they finally decided to get married. But listen, uh, and by the way, this is not you and John. I just want to clarify that. It's just, anyway, so, but uh, they're getting married. But as the day approached, listen, they, they grew very apprehensive. You see, each one had a problem that they never shared with anyone before, not even each other. Mm, big mistake. So the groom-to-be overcoming his fear, he decides to go to his father for advice. And he says, Dad, he says, listen, I am deeply concerned about the success of my marriage. You see, I love my fiancé very, very much, but you see, Dad, I've got very smelly feet. Ugh. He says, in fact, they're so bad, I'm afraid that my future wife is going to be put off by them. And so, Dad, you know, being guys, we always got a solution. He says, hey, son, no problem. Here's what you do. All you've got to do is wash your feet as often as possible and always wear socks, even to bed. Well, the groom, he thought, this is a pretty good idea. Dad, you did it, right? So he decided to give it a try. Well, meanwhile, the bride-to-be, overcoming her fear, she decides to take her problem up with her mom. And she says, Mom, she says, Ma'am, when when I wake up in the morning, my breath is truly awful. and She says, Come on, honey, everybody's breath is bad in the morning. She goes, No, Mom, you don't understand. My morning breath is so bad, I'm afraid my new husband won't even want to be in the same room with me. And so her mom simply said this. She says, All right, we'll try this in the morning, get straight out of bed and head for the bathroom and brush your teeth. The key is not to say a word until you've brushed your teeth. Not a word. And so she thought, well, hey, this is a pretty good plan. She decided to give it a try. So the loving couple were finally married and had this beautiful ceremony. And not forgetting the vice that each one of them had received and he with his perpetual socks and her with her morning silence. And they managed quite well until about six months later. Check this out. Shortly before dawn, the husband wakes with a start to find that one of his socks had come off. So fearful of the consequences, he starts frantically searching all over the bed. But this, of course, woke up his bride. And without even uh, thinking, she immediately asked, what on earth are you doing? And the husband gasped in shock, oh no, you swallowed my sock. <laughs> <laughs> "Oh, you got your socks on, buddy? Just checking. All right, hey folks, here's the point. No matter what that couple tried to do, they were not going to escape the inevitable, were they? Okay, the truth was coming out sooner or later, okay, and uh, when it comes to marriages, how many guys can agree that sometimes, hey, try your might, it's going to happen, you're going to have to face some serious, stinky challenges once in a while, right? Okay, and apparently that's why one guy asked his dad about getting married, he says, hey dad, is it true that in ancient China, that a man doesn't know his wife until he's married? And his dad said, son, that happens everywhere. Okay, but seriously, folks, here's the point. Is this the kind of relationship that God had in mind when he instituted marriage back in the Garden of Eden? No, absolutely not, is the great answer. Now, we need to acknowledge it. Adam and Eve blew it, hello, in the Garden of Eden. So they blew it for the chances of having a perfect marriage. But the good news is, folks, I'm here to tell you that even though we may not have a perfect marriage, it doesn't mean we have to resign ourselves to a life of personal pain and silent suffering. It's just going to take some time, and it's going to take some work. Why? Because contrary to the live society, marriages are not made in heaven where are they made. They're made, they're built here on earth, therefore we're going to continue our study, a marriage built to last, okay? And we've already seen that first step was to acknowledge that, hello, men and women are different. You guys still figure that one out? Okay, we at least made it past that one. The second one is the love is an action. The third is the need for romance. The fourth we saw was the need for communication. We hit it three times. That's how important it was. The fifth was the need for reconciliation. And then if you were here last time, we saw you need to honor one another in your marriage and what we saw if we're going to avoid having a shriveled marriage we have got to stop uh dishonoring each other number one with our words stop cutting each other down and cultivate that sense of being special do your own thing like we did with the cheeseburger and a bucket of chicken come up with something but you need to start doing something special uh, with your mouth okay then with our actions we need to greet each other no better than at least the wiener dog anybody buy a wiener dog since the last one well you need to but anyway, that's right. And of course, our acceptance. Okay, listen, we all got beauty. We all got baggage. Okay, uh, stop treating each other like junk. The text was this. Treat each other the way you'd want to be treated. If you don't like that, then don't do it to your spouse. It's pretty simple. Amen. Okay, but that's still of all. The seventh uh, step in building that lasting marriage is to acknowledge the need for intimacy. The need for intimacy. Okay, and let's take a look at what the scripture has to say about that. Song of Solomon, chapter five. Song of Solomon, chapter five. And uh, we're going to read verses 2 through 9 and then grab an answer uh, to a question that's posed down in verse 16. Okay? Song of Solomon, chapter 5. Might be Song of Songs uh, in some of your translation. But chapter 5, verses 2. And we're going to take a look at this couple again. And man, they're having some passion going on. But I think that uh, we're going to be given the answer as to why. Okay? Why did they have this level of intimacy? There's a key word that I'm going to be working on there. Song of Solomon. Chapter five, again, as you turn there, that's the pages in your Bible that are nice and white and crisp and clean, almost as if you've only been there one other time since our study, Uh, and that would be the case. Song of Solomon, or Song of Songs, chapter five, uh, verse two through nine, says this, okay? Uh, Here's what the scripture says. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my lover is not Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my my hair with the dampness of the night. I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I've washed my feet. Must I soil them again? My lover thrust his hand through the latch opening, and my heart began to pound for him. And I I arose to open for my lover, and my hands dripped with myrrh, and my fingers with flowing myrrh. And on the handle of of the lock, I opened for my lover, but... My lover had left. He was gone. Ah, oh, Man, my, my heart sank at his departure, and I looked for him. I, I didn't find him, and I called, but he didn't answer. And then those watchmen found me, and they, as they made the rounds around the city, and they beat me, you know, it's after curfew, and they, they bruised me, and they took away my cloak, and oh, those watchmen on the walls. Oh, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my lover, what will you tell him? Tell him I'm faint with love. And so then they asked, they said, well, listen. How is your beloved, this guy, better than others? Most beautiful of women. How is your beloved better than others that you charge us? so? Skip down verse 16. She gives the answer after a big, giant uh, description of how awesome this guy is. And she says this. Well, here it is. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is altogether lovely. Listen, this is my lover. Yes, of course. But this is my what? Friend, O daughters, of Jerusalem. He wore the shoes there, folks. I don't think it's by chance, obviously. And here we see, I believe, the reason why this person is so passionate about the relationship is because it clearly says their beloved isn't, listen, it's not just their lover, they're clearly their friend as well, okay? And folks, believe it or not, being best friends, yes it is possible, being best friends in marriage is one of the most important keys in having a healthy relationship. Why? Because listen, a deep level of friendship will naturally provide a deep level of intimacy, And here's where we get it wrong. We usually think that intimacy is always a physical thing and it's not. Intimacy, listen, it means to adhere tightly to like a close friend. Intimacy means to adhere tightly to like a close friend. It's not just a physical thing. According to the Bible I really believe our spouse needs to be the most intimate, closest person in our life outside of Jesus Christ. I think it's pretty obvious. That's the goal. That's what we can have. That's what we should attain. Scripture, okay but if we're honest with ourselves most of the time we're not acting like best of friends we're acting like what the worst of enemies at times unfortunately and then if that wasn't bad enough we make uh, things worse by assuming it's the other person's fault why we're not best friends anymore when the whole time it might be you okay like this lady check this out there's this husband and wife and they're driving down the highway and another car passes them and the wife notices the occupants in the other car there And they're young. And they're obviously in love because the girl's sitting right next to the boyfriend as they're cruising down the highway, right? Well, this causes his wife to think back when she and her husband were young and in love. And and she began to wonder where the show of affection, where had the intimacy gone over the years? And so finally she says to her husband, Honey, you remember when we used to be like that young couple? Where did the love, where did the intimacy go? Well, this caused the husband to ponder about her question. As he thought about it there from the driver's seat, uh, he simply replied, I don't know. But I haven't moved. (laughs) Funny, but there's a lot of truth to that, isn't there? Okay? That lady was actually blind to what was causing the distance between her and her husband. She assumed the whole time it was him, the other person, instead of, have you considered your own behavior? And folks, I'm telling you, it's this natural tendency to ignore... Our own destructive behavior is what creates division in our marriage. Why? Because listen, here's the tagline. Here's the crux of our study today. Listen, if we don't develop intimacy right from the start, our marriage is going to soon slide apart. If we don't develop intimacy right from the start, our marriages are going to slide apart. As we saw last time, dishonoring each other shrivels the heart. A lack of this intimacy will drive you apart. Okay, and here's how it works, folks. Whether you realize or not, every single day of your marriage, there's tension. And you're either being drawn closer together in your marriage, or you're being pulled further apart. It's like an escalator. It doesn't stop, right? If you're trying to do certain things that people's kids do (laughs) over yonder, (laughs) you're trying to run up that escalator that's going down. Okay, what happens the moment that you stop trying to run up it? You go down, okay? And it's the same thing with marriage. I'm not recommending that, by the way. Okay? Uh, but it's the same thing with marriage, folks. You're either going closer together or further apart. It's like an escalator. You're always headed in one of those two directions. Right now, today, whether you see it or not, realize it or not, you're either being right now, in this phase, in this day, you're being, your actions are drawing you closer together in your marriage. But it could also be your actions are causing you to go further apart. And it never stops. You're either going one way or or you're going the other way. And here's the problem. The longer you slide apart, the wider the distance becomes. And the wider the distance becomes, listen, the more you run the risk now of being split apart. Okay? Therefore, to protect our marriages from splitting apart, I think we better take a look at some ways to develop this intimacy. How about you, Mike? Mike? You're supposed to really? That's right. You are scoring points already. I'm there to help you out. And the first way that we develop this intimacy, Ruth, thanks for laughing, uh, is, is pretty obvious, but I'm telling you, this is a big one in a rat race society today. If you're going to be best friends, listen, you need to spend some time together. Okay? You got to spend some time together. Okay? Let's take a look at this scripture there, Proverbs 17, verse 17 and Proverbs 27, verse 10 clearly says this about a friend, Uh, says this, a friend is always, not sometimes, not just on the weekends, not just when you want something, but a friend is what? Always loyal, okay? And a brother is born to help in time of need. Never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's, then in your time of need, you won't have to ask your relatives for assistance. So parents, that's right. If you want your kids to be responsible, encourage them to get a bunch of good, loyal friends. Okay, but uh, seriously, what's going on here, folks? The Bible says that according uh, uh, to the scripture, one characteristic uh, characteristic of an intimate friend is they are loyal. They're loyal. In the context there, it says they express this loyalty, how? By taking the time to be there for you, especially when you need it most, right? That's a loyal friend. That's someone you can count on. Now, flip it around. An indicator when a person is not being your friend is when they do the opposite. In other words, when they refuse to spend time with you, let alone when you need them the most, okay? And folks, if you were to ask me one of the major causes of marital problems today, I'm telling you, it's this one. We have simply become too stinking busy to spend any kind of quality time together. Something's always there to eat it up. We're so stinking busy today, folks, running the rat race of life, we don't have time for anything. Not even pumping gas in a car. Like this guy shares. This is how busy we've gotten. Let's take a look.
1: You guys ever be putting gas in your car? And you know that little latch, that little kickstand that holds the thingy? Don't you hate it when that's broke? Don't you hate it? Doesn't that just ruin your day? You're there going, oh no! I gotta hold it now? Come on! What are we, in the middle ages? Let's go! Getting carpal tunnel over here! I want to sit in the car while it was pumping. Listen to my motivational tapes. That ain't happening. Pumping gas, man. You guys ever prepay your gas? You give them like 10 bucks and they set the pump for you? Well, that goes real fast until that last gallon. For some reason, what's that all about? You're know, like one dollar, two dollars, three dollars, four dollars, 5 six, seven, eight, nine, nine dollars $9. and $9. $9. ninety one
2: cents. Nine dollars and ninety one and a half.
1: Like, keep your eight cents. I got things to do.
0: Is that true or what, guys? We don't have time for anything. In fact, we're so stinking strung out, so busy running here, there, blah, 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 that even the slightest little bit of thing throws us over the edge, doesn't it? We're so busy running the rat race of life, we don't have time to stop and smell the roses. We don't have time for the last ten cents of gas. And it's escalating, okay? And here's the point. Because of this, most listen, most married couples start out being best friends. But slowly over time, you get caught up in the rat race of life and all of a sudden you just became casual acquaintances. And here's the reason why. It's because we refuse to spend time together. We got caught up in the rat race of life and we forgot about each other. One researcher, he notes this uh, destructive trend in marriages today. Listen to what he says. He says, when the family unit is not being distracted by financial demands, keeping up with the Joneses, trying to figure out what went wrong with their marriage. or uh, There is this ever-pervasive distraction of busyness. He said, today Americans are so busy, they hardly have any time to be families. Children are involved in Little League, and soccer, and band, and clubs, and extracurricular activities at school, and so, so many other all-absorbing activities that there simply isn't time for family. But just in case there's a little time left on the weekends, there's televised sports, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, and countless other distractions. What time is left for family, marriage, and the spiritual? Somehow just keeps getting eaten up. He says, listen, typically the American married couple spends about 11 and a half minutes a day in any kind of conversation. He says, oh, and that would include such meaningful exchanges as pass the salt and did you bring in the paper? He says, we don't have time to relate because it takes most of our time working at jobs that most of us dislike just so we can have enough money to get all these things that nobody wants. He said, I believe that marriages fall apart primarily for this reason. In the media of the hectic everyday demands of making a living, husbands and wives just don't have enough time to work out the tensions that are a normal part of marital relationships. They lack the time required for two people to get to know each other, and worse than that, they don't have time to invest in creating love. And as years pass, people change, but they forget to tell each other because they're so busy earning enough money to buy things they don't need. And so couples become strangers. Two people share the same bed with little else. She goes about life alone and so does he. And the marriage proves to be little more than two people who are alone together for just a few minutes a day. That's what it's become. Folks, how in the world can we expect to have a relationship, let alone an intimate one, if we only spend a few minutes a day with each other? And I know it's crazy. I run a crazy messed up schedule. Especially in this rat race society. But the the funny thing about a best friend is, listen, they don't make excuses. They show their true friendship by making the time. Therefore, here's the point. If you're feeling abandoned in your marriage, maybe it's a sign that one of you or simply both of you have abandoned each other. How? Because you're not committing the time to spend time with one another. To let that intimacy grow. The second way that we develop uh, intimacy in our marriage is we need to share an interest in each other. Okay? This one's a little bit tougher. Okay? And that's because, you know, we can get around to like, all right, you know what, I'm even... I, me personally, I have to calendar time to spend time with my family and my wife. It's that crazy. But at least you get it done. Okay? But here's the point. You can finally get around to spending more time, but you can still blow it if you don't take the time to invest in that other person and take an interest in them. Because contrary to popular belief, folks, society, uh, did you know that life doesn't revolve around you? And this is what Paul says. Don't just think about yourself. Okay? Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. He says, don't be selfish, Christian. Uh, Don't live to make a good impression on others. You need to be humble. Thinking of others, what? Better than yourself. Listen, it gets even more specific. Don't think only about your own affairs. But what? Be interested in others too and what they are doing. It's not all about you and your life and your dislikes, what you want, all that stuff. Folks, another characteristic of an intimate friend is they're not only loyal, listen, they're a good listener. They're not just loyal, they're a listener. They not only find the time to be with you in person, they listen, they also take the time to get interested in you as a person, to enter into your world. In fact, flip it around. An indicator when a person is not being your friend is when they do the opposite. They could give a rip about your world, what you're doing, what you're with. They're only concerned about themselves. And when you do get together for conversation, it's all about them. You know, you're just a mannequin or something. They don't take the time to share an interest. Well, what about your world? How was your day? What do you like? Let's do something you like to do. And folks, I'm telling you, one of the biggest causes of two people feeling like strangers in marriage is because we don't take the time to get interested into the world, to find out what they like, what they dislike, go beyond that. We used to do it naturally before we got married, right? Remember those exciting, scintillating conversations? So, what's your favorite color? I don't know what's your favorite color. What's your favorite food? And then we stop. We need to keep sharing the interest uh, in each other, okay? And grandma, especially for us guys, guys, I know, listen, when you try to enter into your wife's world... And she starts to open up. Hey, listen, I know it can get scary at times because you might get a lot more than what you bargained for, okay? But whatever you do, don't react like this guy did when he was trying to enter into his wife's world. Let's take a look. If
1: you go to Starbucks, learn their drink. Like when you go to the drive-thru, learn what they like to drink at Starbucks. It'll blow her mind. It will. Because women are, that's a hard drink. They're very complicated. <laughs> Men are easy at Starbucks. You, know, you ever go to the drive through can I help you? Yeah, give me a mintate coffee, no cream. Uh, honey, what do you want? Okay, here's what I want. Listen, listen, this is what I want. I want a tall, skinny, sugar-free, decaf, soy, vanilla latte, extra hot, whipped cream, double sleeve, no cup. Please tell me you got that, please. I'd like to change my order to a large whiskey, just a large cup of whiskey, because I'm going to drive away and off a cliff. I don't want it to hurt so bad. And a blueberry scone.
0: (laughs) Now, man, how many of you guys can identify with that man's pain there? Sometimes you get your wife to open up, it gets a little bit more, okay. Uh, But here's the point, okay, Uh, uh, don't drive off a cliff, don't drink a bunch of whiskey, uh, just do it anyway. Okay, let her talk about the long coffee titles, the whole nine yards, everything. Okay, enter into her world, let her express it in her way. Okay, and I'm telling you, folks, this is, it sounds kind of funny, and it sounds really basic, but it's one of the easiest ways to dispel the sense of isolation that might be between the two of you. Get interested in your spouse, listen specifically about their daily affairs and their daily life. And believe it or not, folks, that means going beyond the conversation of, did you pass the salt and did you bring in the paper? You've got to get a little bit more specific, okay? And it's got to be quality time. Now listen, I've learned that there's some general things that you need to understand between men and women, the way that God has wired us, if when we start to get specifically, we're going down the right route. Because you might think that they're interested in what you're interested in, and that generally isn't the case. And so they're not going to respond. So he- here's how it works. Men in general gain their sense of identity, in general, with our work. Okay? Men in general gain our sense of identity from our work. And ladies, pay attention. This is why when you get specific, you're trying to enter our world, but then you come at us and you ask us our opinion about a pattern arrangement or a color scheme of a bed comforter, uh, we look at you with that look like, I'd rather go clean the dog's toenails than listen to this, right? We we really, really don't respond, do we? Okay, it might be important to you, and that's great, but not to us. Most men aren't interested in that kind of stuff. It's not that we don't care. It's just that's not our thing. We're not going to open up to those conversations. But listen, if you ask us about our work, you ask us about our projects, you ask us about what we built or tried to build, okay, what do we do? Typically, that's when we'll open up a little bit more, okay? And you'll start to go into that. That's what we're generally interested in. So here's the point. Ladies, listen, I don't care how boring it is. I don't care how boring it is. You still need to go out of your way to share an interest in your husband's work, and you'll see the intimacy begin to grow. Now, let's flip it around. Ladies, in general, you gain your identity, generally, from the home, from the relationship, from the home, from the family unit, okay? Men, it's more from work. Ladies, it's more from the home. And guys, this is why when we try to enter our wife's world, but we're doing it our way, and we say, hey, honey, let's get close in our conversation. Give me your opinion on the fuel intake of this brand of four-barrel carburetor. What, What does she do? She opens up. No, she doesn't. She looks at you like, can I go eat a box of head cheese now? I don't want to be a part of this. Are you kidding me? Anybody ever eat head cheese? Everybody ever see head cheese? All right, for those of you guys who don't know, go look online. Don't do it now. Okay, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But no, she doesn't want to open up to that. Why? Because listen, most ladies aren't interested in that. Maybe that's important to you. But listen, that's not her thing, okay? Uh, it's not that she doesn't care about you. She's not interested. But if you ask her about the kids... You ask her about the condition of the house. You ask about something that she's cooked. You you ask about the, the family and things. What does she generally do? She starts to open up. Why? Because that's what they're generally interested in. Therefore, men, no matter how boring it might be to us. Okay, listen, we need to go out of our way to share an interest in our wife's home life if it's going to be quality time. And when you enter into her world, her world, not yours, her world, you'll start to see the intimacy begin to grow. Folks, we are not going to have an intimate relationship with one another if we don't take the time to share an interest in one another. And I know it's hard. And especially sometimes if their interests tire you. But listen, the funny thing about a best friend is they never get tired of you. And they show their true friendship by getting interested in you. Okay? Therefore, if you're feeling bored with your marriage, maybe it's a sign that one of you or both of you have become bored with each other. Why? Because you're no longer... Entering into each other's world, asking those personal questions, sharing an interest in one another. Do that again, you might find that, hey, it's pretty exciting being with you again. The third way uh, to develop intimacy in marriage is by staying faithful with each other. And this is common sense. Staying faithful. But I think there's one thing that we miss uh, in being faithful to each other. Uh, that we don't, don't really take serious. And this is what the Scripture says. This is what Paul says when you get married. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3-5. through five, The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. What? He says, in fact, the wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent, And only for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I wanted to read that in the context. We dealt with that back half there uh, before earlier in our study. But I wanted to get the whole context of what's going on here. Because the Bible clearly says that as husbands and wives, we do have a duty between each other. And this is a physical duty. Paul clearly says, listen, it's not all about you when you get married. There's a physical duty. It says your body there doesn't belong to any, uh, just you anymore after you get married. He says, listen, you're supposed to share yourself physically with your spouse and on a regular timely basis. Why? Because what's the context there? If you don't do that, then what are you actually inviting? Temptation and spiritual warfare. And so Paul says to stave that off so that your emotions don't get out of control, you need to counteract that with regular intimacy uh, between each other, okay? You have to share yourself with each other to listen to avoid adding to the current societal temptation to be tempted away from each other. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't fix everything, doesn't have a, an excuse, but listen, you're not helping anything if you don't come together on a regular basis, you're adding to that temptation to not be faithful okay, with each other. Now, as we saw before, when it comes to those kind of issues, uh, you do need to take some time to romance each other and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we saw the general rule is men are like microwave ovens and ladies are more like crock pots. And so sometimes you need to be prepared to romance and stuff like that. But the point of this context, folks, is you need to be coming together on a regular basis. Basis. You need to share yourself with one another on a regular basis. Why? Because listen, guys, contrary to popular belief, did you know that temptation doesn't stop just because you get older? Did you know temptation to not be faithful to each other doesn't stop just because you've been married a long time now? It never stops. And so sometimes you got to try to make the best of it. Like this guy. Let's take a look.
2: We got married last Friday. My girl was right there beside me, our friends were all gone, we were alone, side by side. We were so happily wed when she got ready for bed then, her teeth and her hair she placed in a chair side by side one glass eye so tiny one hearing aid so small then she took one leg off and (laughs) placed on the chair by the wall I stood there broken hearted Most of my girl had departed. I slept on the chair. There was more of her there. (laughs) By
0: side. Uh. No way in the world am I going to ask for a show of hands of how many can identify with that man's challenge there. But the point is, guys you still need to be persistent. You still need to work with it, okay? Why? Because listen, guys, what's the main point of the context here? It's not just a duty. It's a spiritual issue, too. Temptation never stops. Just because you get old, it doesn't stop. Therefore, the scripture, I believe, is very clear. Do not deprive each other for long periods of time so you won't be tempted by something else. Okay? And, and, and that's bad enough, but the Bible also says these temptations to be unfaithful to each other, they come in various forms. That's just the physical thing. Let's take a look at what uh, the scripture uh, says here. This one's in Song of Songs. Uh, it talks about in chapter 2, verse 15, He says, Quick, catch all the little foxes before they ruin the vineyard of your love, for all the grapevines are in blossom. Another characteristic of an intimate friend is they're a good lookout is what I think that the scripture is telling us here. This is that, once again, the context, that passionate couple. They are a lookout for you. They're loyal, they'll listen, but they'll look out for the best interests of the relationship. Okay. In fact, flip it around, An indicator when a person is not your friend is when they do just the opposite. They can care less about the relationship. They don't work at protecting the relationship. They're not paying attention to the little foxes out there that are trying to destroy your vineyard, your marriage. And and so I want to share with you, listen, we all know that adultery, an extramarital affair, the physical adultery, is condemned by God and is wrong. It destroys your relationship. God can still repair even that, but that's wrong. That's going against your covenant, your vows to be there for each other. But did you know that there's different ways that a person can have an affair and not be faithful? And I wanted to bring that up to you uh, on closing out this point. You see, some people I've learned can have a love affair with their job. Did you know that? They can have a love affair with their job by investing all their focus, all the creative energies into their career and not their wife. Flip it around. I've learned that some people have a love affair with their children. They, they readily sacrifice and give their special attention to their kids. And it's all about the kids. But they ignore the husband. Some people have a love affair with materialism. And, and they readily spend bags of money and they cherish things instead of cherishing their mate. Or sometimes they have a love affair with activities and they spend tons of time, they plan all kinds of things, go through all these elaborate schemes with anyone and everyone but their spouse. When you look at this issue of being faithful and protecting the relationship so that intimacy can grow, adultery is just one of the little foxes that can ruin your vineyard. And here's the point, folks. It doesn't matter what the fox is, the results are still the same. It invites trouble in your marriage. And it sends a signal to your spouse that you refuse to protect your covenant. You're having an affair. How can we expect to have a relationship, let alone an intimate one, if we don't stay faithful with each other? And I know it's hard, especially in our self-indulgent, self-centered society. But the funny thing about a best friend is, listen, they, 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 they don't make excuses. They demonstrate their true friendship by staying faithful. And so if you're here today and maybe you're feeling brokenhearted in your marriage, well, maybe it's a sign that one of you or both of you have given your heart to something else. And you need to return to the wife or the husband of your youth and get back to being faithful to that relationship. Amen? Folks, this is the great news. I'm telling you, whether I realize it or not, if we don't develop intimacy from the start, our marriage is going to slide apart. Every single day of our marriage, even right now as you're listening to this, folks, listen, we're either drawing closer to together or our actions are pulling us further apart. It never stops like an escalator. And the longer that it pulls us apart, the more you run the risk of being split apart. But as you can tell, this is obviously not easy. It requires a personal sacrifice, right? You have to sacrifice your life, your time, your dreams, your goals, you, to make it work. I'll, I'd like to say this. And if that's too hard for you, then why'd you get married? The two become one. It's about both of you now. You can't have your cake and you can't eat it too. You can't expect to have a strong, healthy marriage and not be prepared to sacrifice yourself like this guy. A little boy, he was told by his doctor that he could save his sister's life by giving her some blood. His sister, a six-year-old girl, she was near death. She was a, a victim of disease from which the boy had made this marvelous recovery two years earlier. And her only chance for restoration was a blood transfusion from somebody who had previously conquered the illness. Since the two children had the same rare blood type, the boy, her brother, was the ideal donor. So the doctor approached the boy and he said, Hey, Johnny, he says, would you like to give your blood... For your sister, Mary. And the boy, he, he actually hesitated a little bit. And his lower lip started to tremble. And then he, then he smiled and said, Sure, Doc, I'll give my blood to my sister. Well, soon the two children were wheeled into the operating room. And Mary, she was pale and thin. And Johnny, he was robust, the picture of health. And, and neither one of them spoke. But when their eyes met, Johnny just grinned. And as his blood began to siphon into Mary's veins, one could almost see new life come into her tired body. And the ordeal was almost over when Johnny's brave little voice broke the silence and he simply said this. He said, say doc, when do I die? When do I die? And it was only then that the doctor realized what the moment of hesitation, what the trembling of the lip had meant earlier. You see, little Johnny actually thought that in giving his blood to his sister, he was giving up his life. And in that brief moment, he made his great decision. Folks, here's the whole point. If the life of your marriage right now is slowly dying out, then can I encourage you? You need to make your own big decision yourself today. And maybe you need to be willing to sacrifice your own life. Stop listening to this wicked world system that is all about you. And you need to sacrifice your own life to save the life of your marriage. How? By spending time together sharing an interest in each other, and staying faithful to each other. And if you can do that, no matter, listen, how far you've drifted apart, the lifeblood of your actions now really can infuse life into your marriage. And listen, rather than killing you, you'll see that the giving of your life has actually brought your relationship back from the dead. And you'll have that marriage built to last. Amen? Let's pray. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law, or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, You shall not bear false witness okay that's called lying okay and if you've ever told a lie once which we all have myself included the Bible says that makes you a liar okay the the another commandment says you shall not steal okay Uh, and you might think well that's something that everybody does well it doesn't make it right and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us that uh, we all have sin and it's separating us from him Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain, and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly. The Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye. You've committed adultery in your heart. And finally the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think well hey I haven't done that one. Really? Well again the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder the only difference is you pulled the trigger if you will in your heart you wish they were dead and in god's eyes it's the same thing in principle folks that's only just a couple of the ten commandments we didn't even go through all of them but i think you're starting to get the picture the bible is correct we have all fallen short of the glory of god myself included and that we are separated from god as a result and so when our time comes we're not automatically going to heaven We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, They they cannot reverse it. The the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row.